0: Dangram we here. Welcome to another series of Love My podcast. We have been doing this consistently this whole year, which is getting someone who is amazing doing their own podcast and actually taking some of the best of the best and putting it up here. So with me today is Sanjana, who's with Hippo Video, and she has an incredible podcast of her own that they've been running for some time, and they're going to reach, uh, I guess, up to hundred uh, by the end of this year or so. So she's going to take top ten episodes of her podcast and putting it for us. So Sanjana, thank you for doing that and welcome to Flip My Funnel.
1: Thanks, Sangram. Uh, It's an absolute honor to replay some of her episodes on Flip My Funnel.
0: Yeah, so tell us a little bit about what is the series called and who are some of the folks that people can expect to listen from?
1: Sure. So my series is called Limitless. So uh, as the name Limitless implies, uh, our podcast episodes unveil uh, limitless possibilities for sales and marketing folks Uh, They contain valuable lessons from uh, thought leaders in the industry, uh, starting from you, Sangram. Uh, Then we have uh, Morgan Ingram, John Barrows, Jeb Blint, Amy Franco, Tiba Shanto, uh, to name a few. And uh, the topics vary from uh, sales prospecting, uh, personalization, video selling, sales strategies. And then we go into uh, social selling, personal branding, and so on and so forth. Like, for example, uh, Sangram, you and I spoke about uh, how to lead like a modern CMO. And uh, my co-host, Nikhil and Vivek, spoke to Morgan on how to prospect enterprise accounts and with uh, John Barrows on how sales trips can build their personal brand. And there are also uh, other interesting episodes on video selling and how to win deals with videos. So I always try to pull out, you know, actionable tips from the leaders when I interview them. So I would love it if people give it a listen.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm excited to listen to some of them myself now that you gave a little bit of teaser there, Sanjana. Again, thank you for, for this. All the information about your episode, links will be in the show notes as well. So let's give it a listen.
2: I shoot videos almost every day. I put them everywhere. But there was a time in my life where I was exactly the same way. As soon as you put a video camera in front of me, I got really, really shy. And if you go back and look at some of the first videos that I made, they were awful. I mean they were just they i didn 't know how to talk i you know I sounded um uh, I sounded still in, and then over time, as I got used to doing videos, I got better and better and better at it, and also realized that I can do anything on video and then I can go back and edit it or I can delete it and start over again. Although this is a live streaming video, you have to get used to this as well. But for most video, most of the videos we shoot, we're shooting them and then we're going back and we can do another take. And in fact, uh, we were just out in San Francisco doing a video shoot for a client, and we took three takes of every video so that when we went back into the production studio, we could pull them apart and take the best of each of those of of those videos out and stick them together. So, for for sales professionals in particular, uh, the the most important thing that they you can do is just Get yourself on video, start shooting videos, get over hearing your voice, which sounds awful, get over seeing your face, which will judge everything about yourself. Recognize that most people aren't looking at the flaws that you're looking at, and, and then do it and do it. And do it and I'll make this guarantee to you. So after a while, just it's normal and it gets really, really easy. And you'll find that it's 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 just, you know shooting a video for a client or doing something for a you know a, a prospecting um, call or late in the sales process it just it becomes a natural thing that you do, but yeah. you have to stop and and the only way to get over your fear is to do it because there just really isn't another band aid or fix for that maybe if we gave you a volume that would work but that's going to make a very terrible video if you do that
3: got it got it so I understand I've I've seen quite a few of your uh, videos where they call you. Uh, four take jet. So That's I, I, I do understand because the first time I started creating videos, I still remember it was just a 90 second video, but I took close to about two hours to create a particular video. Now it just, now a lot of videos I do it in a single take. Uh, but initially there was a lot of, uh, uh, you know, inertia for me to, you know, uh, uh, you know, get in front of a camera. That was the first thing. And the second thing is, you know, start, uh, you know, press the record button right there. So it was very difficult for me itself. I mean, and and I'm leading a team inside of, uh, you know, a, a company which is a video platform. And this is coming from a seasoned marketing person. So for salespeople, obviously, because this is not uh, the routine that they follow, this is something that they would have to do separately, uh, you know, initially to at least get started, to start seeing results. So as I see it, they have to come up with the process uh, themselves and uh, you know, figure out what uh, they should say and how to create a script which actually is easy to memorize and easy to deliver. So that is the first step. Many times what I've seen is if the script is a little complicated or a script is a little complex, if you're adding a lot of lines, you tend to forget. And if you forget once, it is very difficult to come back from that. So so uh, have you also faced something like that when you started out uh, with videos?
2: Oh, there's no doubt about it. And I, I love that, you know, I love to hear you say that you're, you know, you're a, a, a marketing executive working yeah. in a video company and you have the same fears and same, you know, trepidations and the same mistakes that everybody else makes. And that's true of video. Um, it, it, so I, I think that the, the the what I do with scripts is, so for example, one of the ways that we'll use video and uh, I, uh, I I shot a series of videos for clients. These you won't be able to find these on uh, on YouTube. But we had a, a series of clients that were we, they were all in the in the process. We'd had initial meetings with them. myself people working with them. We were on a rooftop in Nepal, and it was just this beautiful area where a UNESCO World Heritage site. And we sat on that rooftop and we shot one video after another after another after another after another after another. After another. And all that I was doing was using bullet points. So my salesperson said, here's what I want you to say. There are four bullet points. I want you to go through these four bullet points exactly. and and I would shoot the bullet points. Now what I would do is they do t- call me four take jab. Sometimes I'm five take, but I'm also a perfectionist. So I would, I would roll through it and go, you know, that doesn't sound right. Like it doesn't sound like it was natural. So I'll do it again, do it again, do it again. And and basically you know you nailed it what i w- what i would eventually do with the bullet points is make sure that i'm simplifying them because the yes. more complex the script is the 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 more contrived it seems and the less likely i am to get through the video in one take and i prefer to do one take versus doing multiple takes and then and then pasting things together um now we were at the um we were at um we travel all over the world. So I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. As soon as I get off this, I'm, I'm hopping on airplane. I'm going to the middle East. And then I'm from there, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, KL in Malaysia. Oh, so, okay. so I, we're bouncing all over the place, but we were um, we were at a monkey temple uh, and we were shooting a video and we, we sent the outtake to the client. So we were shooting a video for a client and we sold, we ended up selling that piece of business, but the clients, you know, we, we were asking the client to do business with us. And, um, and I'm in the middle of the video and this monkey jumps out of a tree and all my brain's thinking is, oh, my God, this monkey's <laughs> jumped on me. And because we had fed him some watermelon to kind of get him around me. So I duck, and when I duck, I realized that, you know, the monkey wasn't anywhere close to me and I'm laughing as hard as I can. So when we shot we, we shot the video, we did it again. We put the blooper in at the end of the video our client loved it. We ended up signing the business. They were laughing. They thought it was funny that we were making fun of ourselves in the video and it was authentic. And that's, you know, part of making a script is you want to make the script sound like it's you and feel like it's you so that you connect with that person on the video one-to-one, even though you're not there. Yes.
3: So usually what I've seen is, uh, you know, uh, when salespeople reach out, uh, you know, using videos, they try to sound a lot more professional and they in, in that particular process, they, they miss out on who they really are. All right. So just as you mentioned now, a lot of people would not be, uh, comfortable selling, uh, sending the video where, uh, you know, you had a fear of a monkey attacking, you, all right, but then you still did it and the client loved it. All right. So a lot of people still have this particular stigma. If I, I, I am using the right word in, uh, you know, being their natural self. So. Only if they use a lot of uh, videos and if, uh, you know, they see the right traction from the other side, will they be comfortable or will they be encouraged in, uh, you know, doing more uh, uh, videos? So, uh, you know, Carlos uh, has just asked uh, another question here. So what, uh, you know, do you uh, 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 recommend? So using an excited tone or just a normal tone? So how important is tonality on, uh, you know,
2: a sales page? Well, it's important that your that that there's some inflection in your voice. People want to see that you're enthusiastic. If you're completely over the top, you would you know if you're like so excited that you know that it's your it's almost dramatic. That might work in some cases when you're trying to get someone's attention. And I could see how that would, but you would want to be very careful with that. Yeah. On the flip side, if you're monotoned and you're like so professional that it's not even interesting. That's not going to get anybody's attention either. So you want to modulate your speed. You want to modulate your voice. You want to, you know, talk louder. You want to talk softer. Uh, you want to use your hands when it makes sense. So if you if you talk with your hands, you want to use expression on your face. So, but you said the 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 right words, and the right words are you you want to be authentic. So you want to learn how to be your authentic self. And going back to our earlier conversation that's something that you learn to do. There there are a few people who are just natural. They get on video and they just shine. Uh I wasn't one of those people when you look at my earlier videos. I you know, I I don't think that I was I was shining. I don't think that I was authentic. But over time when you when you do it more and more and more, you see the video camera as if you're talking to a person versus a camera. And that's the key is to get past that. So so be authentic. Be who you are. But make sure that when you go back and watch it, the person who was watching it would know that you're interested in doing business with them or that you really want to meet them or that what you're saying carries some weight. And and then practice and practice and practice so that you learn how to use that inflection. And you can even see right now how I'm moving my body on the video. I like to have movement in the video. And even when I'm shooting videos, um, for example, on an iPhone, I'll have the person slightly move the video camera just, you know, on my, on my iPhone. So they'll be holding the iPhone up like this and they'll just be moving a little at a time back and forth just to create some movement because all of that movement is capturing the person who's watching you, is capturing their brain and okay. their brain is paying attention to those, those pattern breaks and it's pulling them into the video.
3: Awesome, awesome. So uh, it's very interesting that you mentioned about the tonality and how to use different tonalities to actually break the ice here. Now, the second thing that comes to mind, uh, when, uh, recording videos is the duration of, uh, the video. So, uh, what now, uh, I mean, I, I know, uh, that you might have heard this particular question time and again, but is there an ideal length to, uh, of the video to target? So uh, is, uh, 30 seconds the mark or 60 seconds the mark or 90 seconds the mark? Or is it that at different stages of the, uh, you know, sales, uh, 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 stage, you have to use different lengths of videos. So what's your take on that?
2: Well, I, the, the shorter, the better. So the, you know, and that's a little bit of a different animal. So let's just say that I'm posting a video on YouTube and you've uh, done your research. You've seen a lot of my videos on YouTube. They're really, really short videos. Most of my videos are are short clips. Some of them are, are not even 30 seconds long. I post those videos on LinkedIn as well because they get a lot of play on LinkedIn. They're great for Twitter. They're great for Instagram. So anything under a minute really drives but if you're under a minute like your message has just got to be right on so you really got to dial it in typically though i want to stay if i'm sending a video to a client i want to stay under a minute that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be times when what i'm saying is important enough or i'm mentioning particular people that i wouldn't i wouldn't have that video run a little bit longer because i will but my goal is to Keep the video under under a minute, and if you can get it in in thirty seconds, even better. Because of the way people consume your video content, it's going to be easier for them.
3: In particular,
2: downloading content on the phone or watching on the web, the shorter the content, the faster the load, the easier it's going to be to get them to to see it. If it's too long, you're going to lose them and you're going to miss your call to action at the end. Um, If it's too short, maybe, you know, 10 seconds, you didn't get enough in so that you, you didn't really get to relate to them or give them a message. So instead of saying it needs to be 30 minutes or 30 seconds or one minute or 90 seconds or three minutes, I think I would I would say two things. Consider who the audience is. Consider the objective of the video. Why are you sending the video where you are in the sales process? And. And then consider your, your message. And if your message is particularly engaging. So for example, if I'm leaving a message for you and I, and the message is on something that I know you're interested in, the, the content is really dialed in. So let's just say that I'm, you know, having a conversation with you as my prospect about how I might teach your, teach your team, how to make a phone call. Um, I might make that a little bit longer because I'm, 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 giving you a message on this on a specific subject and i've got a a series of bullet points that i'm running through but most of my videos of clients are 30 seconds to 45 seconds they're somewhere in that space usually no more than a minute and they're and they're like you know they would be like this i really really am looking forward to meeting you looking forward to meeting your team looking forward to spending time with you and i can't wait to get there and help you with bam 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 here's my phone number give me a call back so it's you know i'm 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 trying to be as direct and as hard hitting as I possibly can in the moment uh, to engage them and to pull them in so that uh, so that you know I'm able to get them to take some action or my salesperson take another action.
3: Got it. Uh, this is uh, something that you mentioned earlier. So you uh, mentioned that uh, you actually record these uh, uh, videos outside. Most of the times you record it outside your studios and. You know, in a natural surrounding. So, what do you think is the rest, uh, where do you think is the response better? Is it better if we have it in a in an outdoor uh, location, or is it better to do it in a studio in, uh, in your office or in your conference room itself? So, well, I'm, which can I'm
2: well, I'm a little bit different because I travel all over the world all the time, speaking to sales organizations, okay. doing training, and so do my, my my trainers. We have twenty trainers on my team. They're all shooting videos too. I also have the benefit of having a video crew that works for me. Wow. And in a lot of cases I have, I mean, I'm, they're on getting on airplanes with me and they're traveling with me. So I have some, I have some, you know, some parts of my life that regular, you know, if you're a salesperson, your company's not going to hire a video person to you know hang out at your desk with you. Right. So, yeah. So I would say, yes, when you can shoot a video in a cool place uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, on top of a building in Nepal. I mean, that was a really cool thing to be able to do, you know, hanging out the Monkey Temple. I mean, that was an awesome backdrop. Uh, I did a video for, I did several videos for clients at uh, uh, India Gate in Mumbai. So, you know, I did, I did a video at the, uh, at your parliament building in New Delhi. So I've done some really cool videos and neat places that most people don't get a chance to do. But I also, a video recently, I was uh, on a hike with my wife and we were in this neat place where there was a, a rock outcrop. And I said, You know, I've got several videos I need to make for clients. Hold my phone for a minute. And so okay. I went bam, 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 knocked them all out, put my phone in my back pocket and walked away, edited them later, and even made a couple of mistakes on them that I edited out. I shot a video, um, not long ago at my cabin up in the woods and, uh, it overlooks a lake. And so I just put the lake behind me and shot the video and I shot that on in the moment and sent to the the prospect two minutes later. So, but sometimes you're going to be at your desk and sometimes you're going to be in your office. What I would suggest is that you put something behind you, like your logo. Like you can see, I put your logo behind me. Um, (laughs) And uh, our, I've got a book behind me over here. Uh, put a picture behind you. Find a you know a, a, a backdrop that's got good lighting up front that maybe has some texture in the back. So find those places and shoot the video there. But in a lot of cases, you may be shooting the video in your cube or shooting it in an open office. Um, we shoot videos in our clients' offices. So we just blur out the background, which we okay. have the ability to do because of our cameras. But we'll blur, blur out the background in an open office setting, And it's surprising how well sound works, even on an iPhone in a big office. Or you know, one of the things that I use all the time. So I've got a GoPro right here, so I use a GoPro, and there's you know wonderful editing software that goes with the GoPro. So I'll have those with me, and um, and you can you know sounds that you know sounds sometimes in in a loud place you can you know you've got a lot of background noise, but it really does well. So my suggestion is for for you, find a professional place—a place with your logo behind it—is perfect. Uh, even in your cube, if you're just shooting video from your, you know, from your webcam on your on your computer uh, in your cubicle, just make sure that there's some backdrop behind you that's interesting but not distracting. Got does that it make sense?
3: Yeah, it does. It does. It makes perfect sense. So uh, this this is a question from uh, Mark. So, what do you recommend for SDRs who are making high value, high volume calls per day using a similar video? Uh, too many prospects. So what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, if you're, you know, if you've got a one-to-many video, that's, you know, that's one thing. And that video is going to be a video that maybe, you know, you're just like, let's say that you have a a big list and they're not very qualified and you're trying to get people to engage with you so that you can qualify those. There's nothing wrong with shooting a video for that list. What I would suggest that you do is that you focus on the vertical. So if you've got, Particular roles that you're focusing on, if you've got particular company or industry verticals that you're you're focusing on, no different than with a voicemail, and no different with the the you know, your because statement, which you'll find in technical prospecting. But yeah. what you say to them that's going to shift but to the role, to the circumstance, to the industry vertical, to the size of the company. So you may need to have multiple takes of your video that you're sending in bulk to multiple people versus a one to one that. Connects with them based on their unique circumstance. Now, what's important to understand is that you you know your 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 video is not going to connect with everybody. It's not going to it's not going to speak with everybody's circumstance. So you want something that on the bell curve is going to connect with most people when you're building that type of video. The other thing that I would say to you is um, is do A-B testing. So maybe make three different versions of your video that you're sending out to multiple clients in a high activity situation and then see which of those videos is converting the highest and then focus on what's right in that message and then create more videos around that. The other thing that you can think about is the SDR is where you're putting videos in your sequence. So let's just say that you have a, uh, um, I don't know, let's just say you go uh, four, three, two, one. So you make four outbound calls and leave voicemails if you don't connect with them, then you send three emails, then you do two LinkedIn touches, and then you send one video. Yeah. Um, so if you're using that, where does that video sit? And that, that sequence wouldn't be you make four, then you do three, then you do two, then you do one. It right. just means that process. So you could do a five, four, three, two, one. You could do five calls, four emails. Um, three touches, two videos, and maybe one one gift, or you know, one one other type of touch that would be a direct mail. We use a we use direct mail all the time in our sequences, and it works oh, great. Awesome, um, like a card, you know. So we'll send a card out, and we did a card recently where we sent a video, and then we had a snapshot of the video on the card, yeah. and then a quote from the video in the card. So we we tied those two things together in one campaign. And by the way, that campaign was a bulk campaign okay. where we had. Single video that went to multiple prospects, not not one to one, but the cards were all personalized. So you just have to think about got where it. you're putting it, and then you want to create multiple videos, test those videos,
0: got it.
2: And then one more thing is refresh them often because you know you may shoot a series of videos and you're working on them, but you're going to get better and better and better. So go back to what mm-hmm. you've shot and redo them, create new messages, make them fresh. Uh, it connects you back with the message yes. and uh, and always be iterating. Got it. Got it. So
3: excellent points all around there. I I guess you have covered, uh, you know, the next two or three questions that we were going to ask you. So Francisco, if uh, you're online, probably, I guess your question is answered by Jeb already. And we had a question from uh, Steve, who's the CEO of Lead Growth on what order do you recommend to reaching out to clients? Uh, to uh, reaching out to new prospects, that is email, LinkedIn, phone, text. So I guess a part of that is uh, covered in what you said, Jeff, That is the four, three, two, one. So do you have anything else uh, to uh, you know bring in there? Probably you have covered email. You've covered uh, phone prospecting. You've covered uh, you know video messaging. But uh, what about social media? So uh, how can you actually use uh, these uh, one-on-one videos or personalized videos? Uh, in video prospecting, but in social
2: media. So, what's your take? Well, let me, let me answer the question first. So, I always recommend pick up the damn phone. Okay, so hear me loud. Pick up the damn phone. Call people. Yeah. Talk to yeah. people. We get paid as salespeople to talk to people, and and I run into this every day where SDRs are interacting with me via email first versus picking up the phone. And if you call me, my phone—I with you everywhere I go. My phone number is all over the internet. You're gonna talk to somebody. You call my office. You're gonna talk to somebody. So. Yeah. So pick up always a phone call for, and, and if you don't get them, leave a voicemail. And on the voicemail, you can reference, I'm going to send you a video. So your next, the way you send a video is going to be via email necessarily. So if you send an email, your next email in that sequence might be you leave a voicemail, the voicemail references the video, uh, and which would create curiosity. And then you send an email with a link to the video so that they can watch the video. And I'm sure you have a way to help them do that with Hippo. So um, so they, you send the video and then, and then you would follow up with a LinkedIn touch. So for example, let's just say that you have a video that might be really interesting to an organization on a particular, um, you know, insight. And I wouldn't say, you know, a pure advertisement, but you've got something that would be interesting to one of your verticals. And for example, I might do a video on, you know, making a, a phone call, pick up the damn phone yes. and I might tag. The person that I sent the email to in that particular video. You also have to think about, I can send a direct video so I could send something through an email. So I might do, say, phone call voicemail. I might send an email and then I might send an e- email and I might just all three of those use my video for that. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I might want to consistently be posting short videos on LinkedIn yeah. and then I had a particular prospect and I'm tagging that prospect. Now, what I think is important, and Mark asked this question, if you're an SDR and you're making lots of calls, like you're all over the place, yeah. you can't do that on every single call and you can't do that for every single prospect because you're never going to get lots of calls made. So it's important that you're segmenting your prospecting database and that you are targeting the prospects where... Putting that type of effort in them because of their probability of becoming a customer or the potential of the opportunity or or their value as a customer uh, from a conquest standpoint, in other words, taking it away from your competitor, matches the effort that you put in in that particular sequence. But I always start with a phone. And if I were running a sequence with you, I would say, and we're running a video, I would say, Pick up pick up the phone and call them. If you talk to them, you don't need to run the sequence. If you leave a voicemail, reference the cool video that you're going to send them. Send the video in an email and then follow up with an email so on LinkedIn with a link to the video or a direct message on facebook um and 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 then you know rinse and repeat. then do that process again go through the process again. uh, And, you know, maybe you have a different video or a different story because 30 seconds at a time, you could tell your story. Uh, But there's also, there's also a video on, on social media that has nothing to do with a direct touch to a prospect. It's creating familiarity. It's building your personal brand. uh, It's allowing people to see your face and hear your voice. uh, And, and by posting those videos, by tagging people in them, by creating an audience around that, when when they do hear from you, because videos are, has a really weird way of making you sort of a, I don't, I'm using this word loosely, but a celebrity to them. Like if they, they want to meet you, then you can create that. Oh my God, I finally got you on the phone. I've seen your face on video so many times. And it's like not uncommon for me to walk into a room with salespeople. And I got people walking up to me and go, Man, I've watched all your videos on YouTube. Could you sign my you know my, my notebook? Could you sign sign this because people see they want my signature because they experienced me on video. So I think you can do the same thing although, you know, I've written 11 books so I have a, a different platform that I'm working on, but you can create that same sort of familiarity desire to meet with you via video and and leveraging it in different formats to connect with people, to get them to engage with you at the right time and, you know, when when their buying window is opening.
3: So I guess Carlos, uh, that answers your question. Uh, so Jeff has answered your question, but he has another follow-up question. Uh, do you have a particular structure for a video? So you know, these are the uh, uh, these are the uh, stuff. This is the stuff that has to be said. Uh, you know, at the start of the video, and probably you have to close in a particular way. So do you have a structure that you follow, so that uh, you know all everybody who's viewing this uh, particular live interaction they'll actually have a great takeaway. They'll, they'll actually have a structure to go ahead and start recording great videos. Yes,
2: yeah, so, um, so first of all, let, let's talk about the video itself. When you have the ability to do this with the software you're using, um, you want to make sure that on the video itself, if it's possible to put a transcript, do that so that people can read the transcript. Uh, yeah. Because sometimes you, you, get, you get a prospecting email on your phone, you're in a loud place, and you watch the video, and you can read it. It's not always possible be a a long process to do it and i certainly don't do that on every one of my videos i do it on some not all uh, because it takes a long time to do that so that would be number one number two is you want to make sure that on the video either in a lower third or somewhere in the video you have your contact information and i would have that up on the video the entire time Mm -hmm. so your email um, if you're on Twitter, your Twitter Twitter handle uh, and and your phone number, so people can call you. So that's an easy call to action. You want to make sure that that graphic is in there, and that every time you create a video, you can drop that graphic in. So those are a couple of things. In terms of structure, let's let's focus primarily on prospecting. So if you're if you're engaging at the top of the funnel, and I'm trying to get someone to 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 call me back or to engage in a conversation, I want to follow a four step framework. And, and it begins with a hook. So as soon as they get the video, you got that, that long to catch them. So you want to have a hook, and the hook has to be about them. So you typically, you know, you'll go and hey, this is Jeb Blount. I'm from Sales Gravy. We're the largest sales training company, blah, 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 blah. Lost them. They don't care about you. They care about their issues. So you want to start off with something like this. You know, this is Jeb Blunt, and so many people like you are struggling to keep the pipeline full. Okay, so I'm saying something up front that connects with them. The next step is to relate to them. So relating to them is stepping into their shoes. It's empathy, the meta skill of sales. So what I want to do is step in their shoes. And so I totally understand where you're coming from because the people that I talk to They're experiencing these problems. They're having this pain. They're seeing these opportunities to change. Uh, So I want to hook you with something that's about you. And I want to step into your shoes and relate to you so that you feel that I get you and your problems. The next thing you want to do is build a value bridge. And what a value bridge is, is it's connecting the dots from their situation their pain, their opportunities, um, you know, green fields that you can help them open up, whatever that, whatever that, that relate statement is, you want to build a value bridge from that to how you can help them. And it's a really simple thing, you know, so, um, so one of the ways that I help you solve this problem is boom, 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 just that simple. And then finally, you want to have a call to action. So you're, you're asking for something. So, and typically if you're at the top of the funnel, you're asking for call me back, send me an email. Um, you know, let's set up a meeting with me. You're set, you're asking for something. So you need a call to action. And, you know, if you can have the call to action on the video, that would, that's even better. So a one to one video is great because you can drop a call to action directly in the video. If you're doing a one to many video, um, then the call to action is going to be more generic, but think about it like this. I've got two seconds. So, so, so number one is I need to have a hook. My hook is the very first thing that I say that brings them in. I need to step into their shoes and relate to them. So it's hook relate. They need to know that I get them in their problems and it's not about me. It's about them. Number three is I need to build a value bridge from, from their particular situation to how I can help them. On a one to one call, that's going to be very specific. On a one to many video, it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be generic, but you hope you're hitting somewhere in the bell curve. And then there has to be a call to action. So what do you want them to do? So those are the typical framework. That's a, that's a typical framework that I, that I run. Now, as you move through the sales process, let's say that I just, you know, met with a bunch of people did a discovery meeting. So I have a large stakeholder array and I'm sending a video out to the stakeholders to say, thank you. In that case, I want to be sincere. I want to be empathetic. I want to, again, hook them by repeating something that they told me. I want to demonstrate that I, I heard it and that I understand it, and then maybe build a value bridge to it. But my call to action might not be, hey, call me. It might be, I'm looking forward to meeting you the next time we get together. But I'm using that video to Maintain the relationship to anchor the familiarity that I have with the stakeholders. To let them know that I heard them, to, to in and continue to build the relationship.
3: Got it. So excellent, excellent framework. So hook, relate, uh, create a value bridge, and end with the CDA. Excellent four point uh, framework, guys, to take away and you know start uh, creating videos. Now uh, the next question comes from Arwen. So probably you'll ha- you can have a few points from your latest book objections as well. When a prospect says no or not interested what is the best way to move forward and if you want to create a video for this then what is the message that uh, you know you can send it across because the prospect has responded to your
2: cold outrage but he has responded in the negative so right. how what do you do so if you're getting that response like if you're getting a response by phone like you're having a conversation with them then it's going to go really really fast if you're getting it they, if they send you back an email and they say i'm not interested that's a really good thing so so uh, sometimes I have sales company and they say, Hey, I've got this great thing. I think it's a good idea for you. And they've done such a nice job of demonstrating that sometimes via video that I'll write them back and I'll sincerely say, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm not the right business for you. Not the right prospect. Here's why. And, you know, I may, I may be the right business from you a year from now, but I'm too small or I'm in this situation. And, and what you want to do in those situations, if you get someone who tells you that, just respect it and move on. Like put it in your CRM, set up the next time, because they're telling you that I'm, I I would be interested, except for the circumstance isn't right. But if they just say, "Look, I'm not interested," blah 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 blah, I'm not interested. I'm using your competitor. I'm not interested because of this. You want to use a framework, um, and you'll find this in my book, Objections. You'll find it in Fanatical Prospecting. So, if you want more, do a deeper dive on this. But the framework is Ledge, Disrupt, Ask. We call it LDA. And what a ledge is is just a statement that you use in the moment. um, It's really around um, controlling your emotions. For example, if you said, "I'm not interested," I would say. That's what exactly what I expected you to say. That's what I thought you would say. Or I might say, that's what almost everybody says before. So this is what almost everybody says before they learn how we do this, 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 and this. Yeah. And look, I don't know if this is the right thing for you, but all I want is a few minutes to get to know you a little bit better, show you how we're helping other companies in your area or in your, in your, in your industry, in your niche solve this problem. And then you and I can make a decision from there, whether or not it even makes sense for us to keep talking. That would be a yeah. disrupt statement. So I'm, I'm agreeing with them, which yeah. is which pulls them towards me. And I'm giving them a reason to meet with me. And then I'm going to ask for a specific time. I'm going to say, if I'm doing the free email and say, how about 15 minutes next Thursday at two o'clock? Uh, or if that doesn't work, here's a link to my calendar and you tell me what's going to work best for you. Yeah. But I'm always going to give them a time. So I'm going to ledge I'm, all I'm going to do is use is one statement at the very top, like that's expe- exactly what I expected you to say. Yeah. And then I'm going to say, you know, everybody's most people aren't interested before they find out about this. And then I'm going to ask for the time. Awesome. So if you want more on on that particular structure, my book, Objections or Fanatical Prospecting, those are both in there. Uh, but those will you know, you're going to turn around a a, a certain set of those. Of those prospects that way, and by the way, you could do that via video, you could do that via email, you could do that via a direct phone call any of those ways will help you use that framework.
3: Got it. So, Arvind, I hope you got that, uh, buddy. So, as you as jeb clearly mentioned, you actually have to acknowledge what uh, your prospect has uh, told you, you have to respect what they've uh, mentioned, and then uh, take it forward, uh, you know, to a close. So there's, uh, you know, something else that, uh, uh, you know, we another question that we've uh, uh, got from Sri. Uh, so he's actually working for a, a global unicorn and they're actually, uh, uh, you know, competing against the likes of Salesforce Zendesk. Zendex. So uh, he has a clear-cut question. You know, he's actually, uh, 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 you know, going up against, uh, you, you know, the industry leaders or the category leaders. So in that particular case, how does he create a prospecting email? Now That is the first part of the question. Now, second part of the question is he's an Indian who's sending a video, uh, you know, into the U.S. market. Will there be cultural problems? In, uh, it, will the U.S. prospect, uh, you know, accept this particular video, uh, uh, you know, message? So have you uh, ever faced that particular question?
2: So absolutely. I, I think that, you know, one of the things specifically in India that's that's occurring right now yeah. is, you know, India. In, and I'm, I, I love India because I just love to see the iteration of sales professionalism in India itself. But if you just go back, you know, India really didn't have any type of sales professional selling until the late 70s, early 80s. I mean, it just didn't exist. And then, you know, and then India started working with the Western countries and you're um, you're re- really doing call center work. I mean, it, that's the interaction you had with people in the U.S. And and now, you know, in India, it's not uncommon for me to be buying from someone in India who's calling me up. And and, you know, and they're really you know, you're starting to to understand um you know, how, you know, how people in the U.S. work and how they buy and we're a global world. So you have professional salespeople in India who are having conversations with people in the U.S. And and that's new. So, first of all, yes, there's probably going to be some cultural bias there, Um, simply because if you just deal with a lot, if you talk to a lot of people in America, I mean, a lot of America experience with people in India was they were calling up because their phone was broken and they're talking to somebody in Mumbai um, or in Pune or, you know, or in New Delhi. And they're having some of these, you know, these conversations and they they, they, would, they didn't go very well. So first of all, you're going to have to break the that bias. There's no doubt about that. And the human, human similarity bias is always in play. So how do you do that? Well, the first thing you want to do is go back to what we were talking about earlier. Be authentic. Be yourself. Don't try to be someone that you're not one of the, I think the big mistakes that Indian call centers made early on in the process is that instead of using your real name, you were calling yourself an English name and everybody knew that that wasn't authentic. I mean, we knew that, you know, the person we were talking to was not named Stan. It was a new, but not Stan. Right. So we, you know, And people can see right through that. So just be who you are. Be nice. And even look, even if like you know English is you know you're you're, like you're struggling a little bit. Make a joke about it, you know, because people laugh at those type of things. And then be sincere about wanting to work with them. So authenticity, sincerity, be human. um, You know, be empathetic. We go back to hook right and relate. Step into their shoes. Relate to what they're what they're saying. Do that first because we can't we can't like say that there won't be a cultural bias because there's going to be one but what we can say is that you know human beings like they just everywhere I go in the world if you smile and you're nice and you're kind and you're authentic and you're sincere people connect with that and and then what I would also say is that you can't do one and done if you're trying to get through especially when you're dealing with someone who is buying from the market leader if you prospect into them once you send one video and they brush you off It's not going to work. And a great example would be a company from the UK that sells software as a service uh, in the training space that I ended up buying from. Their sales rep called me 71 times. He left 71 voicemails. 71. 71. Now, it would have been good if he'd sent some videos, right? But 71 times. But he called me enough times that I realized he wasn't going to go away. He was always professional. There was nothing. It was, it was nothing but professional and nice. And then one day he caught me in, you know, in a place where I couldn't say no to him. We had an hour and a half long conversation. And when we were done, I signed a contract. Wow. So, so you have, to, you have to be persistent with it, especially when there's a cultural divide. You have to be persistent with it because people need to see that you care and you're sincere and you're persistent. And believe it or not, and this, some people don't believe this, but people really, really, really appreciate and value human beings that, are, you know, that work hard and use their resources and try every way to get in. Now, now, with that said, you've got another issue. And that other issue is competitive displacement. So you sell a software that competes with, say, Zendesk, right? Zendesk is, you know, they're the brand that everybody knows about because they were there first. And they're they're embedded in a lot of places. And unwinding some of those relationships is tough. Yeah. So what you have to do is you have to get in first, but it's it's the getting in is the is really the easy part when it comes to competitive displacement. The hard part is uh is is building the value, right? Going through the process. And and what I would do is I would direct you to my podcast. It's a sales review podcast, or you can put my name in Jeb, B-L-O-U-N-T, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, wherever. And the last six podcasts are a series of podcasts I did with Anthony and Reno. And what you'll find is uh, us talking about this exact thing in depth. Like how do you displace an embedded competitor in a highly competitive market is not enough time for us to go through that process, but it's all about finding the right people, building value, being insanely persistent, and especially making sure that you're paying attention to when those buying windows are going to open and you're getting it out of those buying windows. And then I think if we go back to your, you know, what you were talking about earlier around social media, it's making sure they're seeing you, that they know you, that they see your face. Uh, And then, I, I want to say one more thing about this, because I think it's really important if If I'm selling to America from India and i you know I'm just stepping into someone who is an Indian sells professional shoes, and I'm selling into the u s market, if it were me, I would be intimidated a little bit i would be I might be a little bit uh insecure about if there was a language barrier. I mean everybody in India speaks English, but it, it not all at the same level. Um there are, you know, I, when I'm in India and I'm training sales professionals, a lot of the sales professionals I trained were educated in the US and are now in India selling, so it's really easy for them. But it but in in a lot of cases I would I would be intimidated. I would feel that way. I would feel a level of insecurity. And what I say to you is 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 you know you 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 more than anything you have to be persistent. You have to create multiple videos. You have to do a lot of touch points. You have to stay in front of people. Um, but pay attention to being empathetic. Pay attention to the human connection that you're building. And maybe you have to do it a little bit soft at first to build that connection. Um, but don't allow your insecurity to keep you from being persistent. Allow your insecurity to allow you to relate to the other person who may feel the same level, level of insecurity and in having a conversation with you because it's it doesn't sound like what they're used to, American English versus Indian English. So just exactly. be aware of that. Got
3: it. Absolutely. You, you have to be authentic to actually start uh, to break the the ice and, you know, bring down the walls that usually people have around them. So, humor is a good way to uh do that and as you uh, also mentioned be human be authentic and it will actually start working out now you created uh you know a, a ripple by actually mentioning about uh, you know a, a sales guy actually uh, having 71 touch points and that is a huge uh, number now uh, at any point of time uh, you should have thought that this is getting a little bit annoying uh, so What was your uh, take on it? I mean, uh, 71 calls or 71 touch points is too much. All right. So, uh, I mean, this is something new and, you know, something that has actually worked for the person to actually, uh, you know, get you. All right. So, obviously, we cannot take this, uh, 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 you know, uh, take this as, uh, you know, an advice and run with it. So, what is your uh, take on it?
2: Well, it wasn't, it wasn't annoying. It was, you know, he even got me on the phone a couple of times and I brushed him off. It wasn't annoying because he was professional. He didn't voicemail my message and said, I've called you 25 times. You haven't called me back. It it wasn't like that. He would say, hi, this is Richard I'm calling from and trying to get on your calendar. And mean, it was just like that. It wasn't like really, it wasn't even annoying at all. Um, it was, so it, it was, was more or less the same uh, message again and again? It was, it was, it was, I mean, he would change it a few times and he would tell me, hey, we've got a new thing coming out or we've got a new item we've added on here. Or I talked to one of your people on the telephone and they told me about this. And so it, it's only annoying if you're a jerk. Like if you're, if you're being you know, overly aggressive, it's yeah. not annoying if you're being professional and you're being kind. And yeah. I'll tell you that one of the largest accounts I ever sold, uh, a company called Fujifilm, um, and this was back in the nineties, but I called the buyer there 51 days in a row and left 51 voicemail messages in a row. And I normally don't have to do that. Normally if I leave four or five yeah, 51 on day 52, he called me back and said, are you ever going to stop calling me? And I went not. <laughs> so he met with me and I sold that deal. Uh, It was uh, well over a million dollars. Uh And when I showed up, the director of sales for the company was in the meeting with me and the buyer and offered me a job. And he said, I wish my salespeople would be as persistent as you because no. people dig that. We think we're being annoying. You are not being annoying if you're being professional. Now, no. let me put some, some brackets around this. In my case, with, the, um, with Fuji, um, they had a contract coming up with my competitor. So they had an open buying window. If I did not get in before that buying window closed, they would sign a contract with either one of my competitors or the incumbent competitor, and that would lock me out for another five years. So in that case, I had nothing to lose by getting in. So it's so super important that you understand that there's some buying window. And in and, and Richard's case, the guy that called me 71 times, his software changed my company. So he knew that we needed him. We knew that it was something that we needed to buy. And he, and, and by, and, and truly it changed our company. We, we've grown faster. It made our lives better. So he knew that we were a prime prospect. We didn't have a competing software pro- program. So he knew that he had to get in before we bought from somebody else. Got it. If you call someone you don't know, like if, if I'm a, let's just say that I go to a tool like Zoom Info and which is a tool that I love for gathering information. So I, I get a list off of Zoom Info of and I start calling, you know, I start calling these people. I don't know anything about them. I don't know their, I don't know what, you know, what their situation is. I don't know the competitor is. I don't know their buying role. I don't know those things. And I call 71 times, then I'm a jerk. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm stalking them. I'm not helping myself. So it's different when you have a qualified prospect and you have either an identified need or an identified buying window, and they're a high value prospect. That if you don't get in there and sell them, someone else is. Yeah. That. I would never do that with someone that has a pure cold lead. I would run a sequence against that lead. Yeah. So I might run you know a 54321 sequence against that lead. That might that might run over six or eight weeks. And then once I ran that sequence, I would take all the people that I connected with and qualified. I would move them to another place, another list in my database for the future. I might have some of those folks that moved into my pipeline and I would have a list of them that I never got in touch with. So I would put them in another list. I would save them from another time and I would run that again, maybe two quarters from now or six months from now. I mean, I would pay attention to the, any signals that I was getting off the web that maybe they were coming into my website. But what I would do is I would switch that up. But if I, if I talked to you and you said, listen, Jeb, we are going to be buying sales training for our organization. And we're, we're looking at a couple of vendors. I'm going to call you every day until you give me a shot, because once you buy that sales training, if, if I don't get in, you're not going to come back and buy, you're going to, you're going to connect with a training company and that's who you're going to buy training from. So, so before everybody gets a little crazy over this, just understand that like everything in prospecting, you have to know your audience, know where you're going, know why you're going there And and then when there's an open buying window or there is an identified need and they're qualified, then you got to do whatever it takes to get them to engage. Because if the buying window passes, then you're out, you're cut out. So, Mm -hmm. for example, the desk question, if you know because you talk to a stakeholder that they're mad because it's not connecting with something else in their organization, then you better, by God, do whatever it takes to get in, whatever Mm -hmm. it takes. Because if they don't pick you, they're going to pick another software vendor that's going to fill in that hole
3: obviously obviously perfect makes perfect sense so uh, uh you know the last question uh, this is from shovan uh what is the best practice uh, you know to get a high ctr on video so uh, probably uh, what is asking about is uh, you know is there a template that people follow should follow for you know video thumbnails all right so uh, i've seen people using gif thumbnails i've seen uh, people having a template uh, you know for prospecting video emails so do you have, uh, 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 you know, a best practice that, uh, you know, you have followed and you've got great results?
2: That depends on where you're putting things. So if I'm, you know, if I'm if I'm dropping a video into a, let's say a dropping a video image into an email, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to a tool. I use a tool called Canva, um, but I'll go in and I'll create a GIF right with that video so that it looks like it's moving inside the video and I'll put a play button on that. I find that works brilliantly. So yeah. they see, they see movement, right? Cause it draws you in anytime there's, there's movement and then there's a little, you know, video play button. I yeah. click on that, we go. So that's one way of doing things that takes a little bit more time, uh, yeah. but it works. And uh, so I think that's, I think that's good on emails. There's a good bit of data that says that if you put video in the subject line, that it gets uh, a lot of clicks. so that's another way to and, and does yes. to, to improve the click-through rate on on those particular videos. Uh, you know clearly whatever you name the video, so you know if I made a video just for you, so I, I find that when someone sends me a prospecting video and it says, "Jeb, I made this video just for you." then I'm much more likely to click on that than if it's a generic, you know, exactly. hitting everybody video that works as well. And then in terms of, of, of thumbnails, you know, it, if, if you're posting the video on YouTube and or on, you know, or on LinkedIn uh, or on Twitter or on Instagram uh, and Instagram TV allows you to put a little bit larger, larger videos on, if you're doing those things, then thumbnail really matters yeah. because that's going to generate a click through rate as does your title. Like what do you call the video? but that's a little bit different than prospecting videos. Those are much more marketing. They're informational. They're building an audience videos versus I'm sending you a video directly, which is almost always going to come via email. Uh, or, you know, or if I'm on, you know, if I'm on uh, WhatsApp, I might send it through WhatsApp, uh, that, you know, that, that can be a channel. If I'm communicating with China, then I might send it through WeChat. Uh, and in the U S you know, to some extent you can send it through messenger but i'm much more likely to use say you know linkedin uh direct messaging or you know an email. in those cases it's going to be a link so it's the words that you use before that link that's going to drive the person to uh to open up the video
3: got it interesting excellent uh points there jeb thanks a lot again so uh what i'll do is i'll quickly introduce uh Hippo video and and then we'll close it uh out so our parties, uh, our attendees actually can keep asking questions. We'll send an Excel sheet, uh, and probably we'll share that with you. So after the uh, this uh, live interaction session, also you can actually answer those questions, and we'll uh, you know publish that in our article. So I'll uh, quickly share my screen, and it is just going to be another uh, uh, five minutes of uh, uh, you know uh, this particular interaction. So I'll talk to you a little bit more about uh, HIPPO Video. So HIPPO Video is actually a personalized video distribution platform. For what we talk, uh, so what do you mean by personalized video distribution platform is, you can actually take one video asset and you can personalize elements in that, you can add more fields in that. And if you have a list of, like Jeb mentioned earlier, so he was personalizing, uh, uh, you know, with direct mails, but here you can actually create personalized videos and send unique video experiences to your entire uh, list. So you have seen videos being used in different uh, processes when it comes to marketing, campaigns, training, sales, and success. And these uh, videos are actually being distributed over blogs, emails, uh, uh, landing pages, mobile apps, social media, and collaboration systems. And here we'll just uh, take you through how you can actually use personalized videos via HIPPO Video itself. So there's a short uh, video clip that we'll like to play so that you can understand how HIPPO Video actually can create personalized video experiences for your audience. So this is how you can actually create, uh, uh, you know, videos right inside the Gmail and create personalized uh, experiences using HIPPO Video. We have integrations with the top uh, CRMs, like Salesforce, HubSpot, and uh, FreshSales, uh, Sales Outreach platforms like Outreach uh, and MailChimp, and email services like uh, Outlook and Gmail. So that was a small glimpse about HIPPO video. If you have any questions, you can reach out uh, to us uh, via email or via social media, etc. So thanks a lot, uh, Jeb, for uh, coming on to, uh, this live interaction with our uh, users. With our audience. It was really great to talk about videos and video prospecting and really look forward to uh, you know reading objections. We have already ha- we already have a copy of Fanatical Prospecting here in our office. Really look forward to objections and you know we wish you all the best. Thanks a lot for coming on uh, this particular web. Thanks a lot.
0: You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player.